Welcome everyone to episode 35 of The Unwrapped Leader, where we get raw, real, and relevant into the new network marketing so you can be a gifted leader in your business. Well, everybody, we have an exciting, exciting um, episode today. As part of our series of things that matter, fiercely protecting the things that matter today, the topic is fiercely protecting your finances. And we have a very special guest. I absolutely love and adore this woman. I've had the pleasure of meeting her over 20 years. Her name is Sandy Canton. And this amazing woman is like, she has done a total 360 degree view of the new, of the network marketing. She's been on both sides. She's lived in North America, being Canadian all. She lives in Australia. She's been on both sides of the desk, being, being in the field, being corporate. She was introduced to this industry as a young mom, a shift worker, as a nurse, and she has also been in this business with her husband. Um, she will quickly share with us how she helps moms and nurses, and she was like the rookie of the year, a top 10 income earner, and she also noticed uh, that the industry needed support and help in joining by becoming a part of a corporate team. Sandy has also conducted business not only in Canada, the US, but Mexico, South Africa, UK, Singapore, Malaysia, South Korea, so she has been around the world, and she has over 35 years of experience, so I think we're going to have a really good topic here, and so I really I hope that you guys enjoy it. But without further ado, before we get started, I just wanted to recap. We have some celebrations here that we just wanted to share with everyone. As you know, starting a new business or starting a new brand takes time. You got to start from somewhere. Um, but we're excited to say that our Instagram has hit a 400 mark of followers, and we're just about at 550 followers on our Facebook. We've completed two programs now. We finished off our um, movie mantra masterclass yesterday, which I shouldn't say we finished. We finished the class. But that is going to be an ongoing course now for people. It's a 21-day mindset course, and it finishes off how you can turn your manuscript into a movie to help motivate and move you in your business. And we've completed our social media MVP course uh, to help business builders like yourself show up online more professional as well as more confident in um, the, the social media space. And we're going to be doing that program again coming in March. We'll tell you a little bit more about that. But I think the one that I'm really excited about is our gifted leader community. Our gifted leader community is um, a free community that we have been expanding, or should I say, unwrapping our book, The Unwrapped Leader, one chapter at a time uh, each week. So it's so many good nuggets, such a great training space, such a great place to send your, your teammates, your business builders, um, free training and extra enthusiasm about what this business can do. So Tisha, we're celebrating, aren't we? So let's just do a big cheers to everybody because we have 100 people in our community. So yay. Uh, so anyway, without further ado, let's get on with the show, uh, how to fiercely protect your finances with the very own uh, Sandy Canton. Sandy, welcome to joining Tisha and I today. We are so delighted to have you. 
Um, I feel like a schoolgirl, you know, that gets to see one of her best friends after so many years. Um, I'm absolutely delighted how we get to come together. And, you know, I love it when, you you know, we've had the chance to come back after so many years. And so just so the audience knows here, uh, I had the privilege and being brushed with Sandy's presence. Oh my God, are we going 20 years ago? It may even be longer, but it was back when I was in Canada um, in my Canadian days back in Party Light. You came in as a corporate support role. And I, I, I don't know, because I know you have been in the field and you have been now in the corporate and now you're like semi-retired and you're bouncing around the country with you do, living your best life, living, you know, like, oh my God, I, you're going to have to tell us so much more about this. I just love you sharing your journey of packing your house up and living out of a suitcase and, and moving around with your husband. <laughs> you were in Italy when, when people weren't traveling, you got there before everyone else and you got us inspired to travel the world again. And I believe you are now in are you in sydney now or yarra valley where are you sandy i'm in newcastle today oh fantastic fantastic and um what rem i remember the most is you said something to me way back then and it has always stuck with me so much so that i actually talk about a lollipop moment i watched this ted talk i actually did we, we actually did a episode about a lollipop moment and you were one of my lollipop moments you said something to me that was so sweet that i have remembered it forever it has changed my life and I think about it often when, you know, I have challenging times and how I overcome it with my resilience. And you had, I don't know if I was speaking or you were speaking, but we got to sit together around a table and maybe it was dinner time. And you brought up this word to me and I had no idea what this word was. And you actually explained it to me. I was like, oh, isn't that interesting? I didn't see that for myself, but the fact that that's how you saw me and you used the word, it was self-edificacy. See, I've taken a lot of time to practice that word that you said that I had self-edificacy. And now I've obviously learned that, you know, how I edify myself and then carried myself and, you know, and that hasn't always been who I am, you know, and it's something that I've obviously worked through and worked on thanks to this amazing industry of, you know, of personal self-development. So through the years, I remember that. I now witness and watch it in other people. And if anything, I would say you have done an amazing job, you know, inspiring other women to be their best, you know, and, and I always say you're like a little pixie, you know, like you're, you have this fairy dust and you go around sharing it and you're even wearing the gorgeous pixie colors. I think that's fantastic. And I remember when I told you that, and you even said, this is part of who you are. You share that. And I saw that and nobody told me that. Um, I think it's just wonderful. And before I let you go and just light up our room for us, I just want to say, I love it that you are intentionally restless. You have a resilient heart that is always open. You are curiously compassionate. You are radically optimistic. You are a side hustler, a natural connector and a people collector. I think that is amazing. And you have just been so amazing in sharing your passion like you are like a multi-passionate <laughs> persistent pretty princess that just makes us all feel like this extra special so I guess or should I say the the, the pixie um, but what you've inspired us is that you have written your own script and you give us permission to do the same and I think I think this is, was nice when I heard you say this you often called the Swiss army knife of social selling you're not just that, like, not just the type to be boxed, but you um, in a, or slap with a label. Is that how I say it? 
she's not the type to be put in a box or slept with a label. I just think that is so fantastic. And so you're enjoying your nomadic lifestyle with your husband. You're living and working from anywhere and you are inspiring all of us, honey. You have over 35 years in this profession and you have been both been on both sides of the world on corporate and in the field. And so just to share with everybody, we invited you because you have witnessed something in the, um, in the industry about finances and women in finances. And I thought we could come together and really have a conversation around financial literacy. And so, you know, I think that's what today's lighting up is part of our uh, theme is th things that we fiercely protect. And I think we as women need to fiercely protect our finances. So Sandy, come share a little bit about yourself. What's brought you to where you are today? A little bit about your journey before we talk about uh, financial literacy. Well, um... You know, I went to a guest night with a friend when I was a frazzled mom of two little people and working shifts as a nurse. And when I went to that guest event and I heard that there was actually somehow that you could get paid what you were worth, not what a job was worth, and that, you know, you could work it around your family and that um, you didn't have to wait for someone to leave or die before you could be promoted. I just said, you know, sign me up now. And that's what I did. And I never looked back. And I've always seen this business model as the best way to really create financial independence. And, you know, women really need to be financially independent. And we'll talk about that more. But let's just brag about this business model for a moment of, of you know, how it's so easy to get started. You don't need a capital investment of any kind. This is an ethical business model. You don't need experience, but you do bring whatever you're, you learned in your life to the table. So whether you're a mom, a nurse, a teacher, um, you've worked retail, you've had your own business, all of that is valuable experience when, when you, you know, when you join a business. And so often we discount and say, oh, but I don't have any network marketing experience. You have life experience and that's what really matters. And, and this model, I guess what I've always loved about it the most, Tracy, and what I try to share with women is find a way that feels good for you and lands well for others. Because we know that the, the profession sometimes has a little bit of an icky um, reputation because of how some people are salesy and aggressive, but that doesn't have to be you. The beautiful thing is there are very few rules that you have to follow, um, you know, other than compliance, but that's where you get to bring your uniqueness to the table. And as I say, to find a way that feels good for you and lands well for others. So this is a very ethical business model. And I really am loving how, especially right now, when people and women in particular are looking for choice in their life of how they work and who they work with and when they work, this business model is more relevant than ever. And of course, because of everything that's happened in the world in the last few years, the need for money is greater than ever. So when you think of it, you can solve some really big problems that people are experiencing right now. 
And that's what we're all about is helping others with a solution. So that's a little bit about why I love the model, um, Dracy, and why I think it's the perfect model for women to create financial independence because there's really, um, you know, you can start earning money right away with most models. And so often there's not, you know, there's not a ceiling and and it can be self-paced. So it's it really is geared for women where, you know, when you look at the situation for women, most are retiring with fewer um, dollars to work on than men because they haven't worked as long. They don't have as much in their superannuation or RRSPs. And so they're at a real disadvantage, but there isn't that disadvantage in our profession. And so that's everything I love about it and why I think it's perfect for mm -hmm. learning some financial literacy and building some independence. Well, I definitely know for myself, my money journey, and I know, you know, I've made a lot of money in this industry, you know, and the fact is those first 20 years, though, I was never really taught what to do with it. Now, I, that's on me. I've been told to get a financial planner. I was told to, you know, I read The Richest Man in Babylon. I read, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but I never put myself in application. And it wasn't until I got to the end of making all this money that I still ended up you know, is the word broke? It's not broke. It's just, I always had an income coming in, but I didn't have the wealth brought. And it was like, if I stopped working, I had no income. So I did not allow myself to grow in that sense. And it wasn't until I got myself in a bad situation, like a divorce and, you know, hardship and emotional hardship that I had those personal struggles. And so um, it took me to finally get like a financial planner, a coach to like to find out that I was successful in making money, but I wasn't successful in making my money grow for me. So, and I guess it came down to like the money story, you know, and you talk, I know you talk about a money story. So tell us more about that money story. Okay. So first of all, I want to tell everybody that's listening, what a legend you were to me in this industry. Cause as a young woman, you were, I mean, you just had it figured out from day dot, maybe not the saving part and the investing and keeping your money and, and uh, having it work for you, but you were a badass. Well, I fiercely protect it ago. now, though. I fiercely, <laughs> it's why it's part of my mission is I fiercely protect my finances now, being debt-free, yep. making my money work, and my retirement. But I didn't think that way because you're young. And I think, oh, yeah. well, I'm making this kind of money. I'm always going to make this money. But it's it's it stung me in the butt. But just so people know that, you know, you really, uh, you really were a legend as far as what you created. And so the lessons you've learned are so valuable and, and it really does start with our money story. And so, you know, to your listeners, if I want you to think about, think back to when you were a child and what was money like in your home and what were the messages you were hearing around money? My mother who, um, you know, grew up during the depression always, and I can still hear her picturing it, money doesn't grow on trees, you know. And she always thought that rich people were evil and that they got their money from taking advantage of others. And so there was always these messages that were about never having enough. And I could see the stress for her. And we weren't poor by any 
uh, uh, you know, any stretch, we weren't well off, but she thought she was poor and she showed up as poor. And so I remember counting out my dad's allowance in the morning at the breakfast table so he could buy his lunch when he went to work. So that was kind of my money story. And I invite um, your listeners, Dracy, to, um, if you've got a pen and a paper handy, if not, type it into your phone or just think about what were the stories you heard growing up? Because I shared with you mine, but I had a best friend and her mother taught her all about how good money is and how, you know, when you have money, you have choices. And that's what makes for a wealthy life is to have choices. So what was your money story growing up? If we could take one minute so everyone could just write till they can't write anymore. Money is, and you fill in the blanks. Can we do that for a minute? Oh, very powerful. I love that. That's good. And I wanted to make a comment on the first part when you were introducing yourself, because for those of you listening too, I'm meeting Sandy as well for the first time on this podcast. And I only talked with her a little bit before, but just hearing a bit more, I loved what you said about um, just the skill set coming into an industry like this, because really, like my my background actually is in elementary education. And so coming in, like I had that teaching concept, but never in a million years that I think leadership and all that kind of stuff I could do. But I've heard so many times and I always reiterate this is that this this industry is simply a personal growth program with a compensation plan attached. And I've learned so much, like even in terms of um, taxes, I don't think I learned anything about taxes until I started actually, you know, pursuing this industry as well. And I saw this thing on Facebook the other day, and I just thought it was so funny. So I wanted to bring it up and share it here as well. And it was basically someone saying it was like a joke and someone was asking their teacher, like, can you teach us about finances? Because we don't really learn that in high school or anything like that. And then the teacher was like, shut up and square dance. Because we learned <laughs> square dance, right? That kind of stuff. And it's like, what the heck? So we don't learn any of that stuff. But this industry has done so much for me around that. And even growing up, same thing, like, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. But also my mom has been in this industry for over 30 years. And she talked about all the time how much it's done for our family. And as a family, we got to go on um, trips to Mexico every year. We had some kind of family trip. And my mom always told me like, this is, you know, the company, like the company is really, this is what it pays for is these extra things that we get to do as a family. So um, I've always, you know, looked up to that as well. And, and so I'm really happy that I got involved in this industry as well. So. Wow. Aren't we all that have been part of it? So um, let's stop writing now because you can always continue this after after this, but um, I don't know what kinds of things you wrote, but there's some real clues in there. If you're not making the money that you um, hoped you would by now, if you're not making the money that you know is possible, look at what you've written down money is, because there'll be some real clues there to what some of your blocks are about money. The other thing that my mom said to me was, you know what? you just have enough. You don't ask for more because that's being selfish. Mm -hmm. And that may be some of you because you may not need a lot more money, but it's what could you do with more? Who else could you help? What other, what other organizations, charities, not-for-profits, where could you volunteer your time? All of those things, you know, when you have more, 
you can contribute more. And so if that's what really lights a fire in your soul, then just know that it's possible. But these money blocks will always keep coming back to bite us in the bum and sabotage us. And Dracy, I think that's what you were referring to, that you knew how to create income. You just didn't have the education and, you know, to A, know what to do with it that, you know, made good financial sense. But also, I know so often women sabotage themselves. And the three biggest problems that women have when it comes to money, and this is going to sound awful because they're all about lack, not about abundance, but it's a lack of self-worth, a lack of knowledge, and a lack of time. And so the good news is that all of those are fixable. All of those are fixable with education, with coaching and mentoring. And as Tracy said, getting help from a financial planner so that, you know, you're not trying to figure it out on your own. You're not keep having to learn from your mistakes. There's a smarter way to do it. So um, Tisha, back to kind of um, learning about money and, and, and building on our money mindset. One of the things that I learned about, and it took me a while to really get it, but it was Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow quadrants. And I'm sure everybody's seen it. If you haven't after this, um, Google it and check it out. But, you know, it's a, a box with four squares and down the left hand side is, is being an employee. That's where it starts. And so it's all about when you're an employee, you have a job and your way to make more money is normally to work more hours. You might ask for a raise and get it, but really you're trading time for money when you're an employee. And below that on that same side is um, being self-employed. And so then you bought yourself a job, right? And you're still trading time for money. As a matter of fact, you're putting, probably putting in way more time when you're self-employed than the money you're drawing from it. But this left-hand side of the quadrant is all about active or linear income. It's all based on how much time and effort you put in. And the goal, according to Robert Kiyosaki, was to get yourself over to the right-hand side of the quadrant where um, you were going to be able to enjoy leverage and compounding and those kinds of financial um, elevators. And so at the top on the left-hand side is, um, you know, being a business owner having your own business uh, system or a vehicle such as network marketing and having people work with you or for you. And you are leveraging their time and effort and getting paid on all of that. So it's not just your efforts. So um, people talk about residual income in network marketing all the time. So residual income lives over there on that right-hand side. But just to clarify, so that we're always using correct financial terms, residual income isn't the money you make from enrolling someone and getting their first order. It's their, their second and third and fourth and hopefully years worth of 
of shipments, right? They're auto ship or whatever your company calls it, the rewards program. That's the residual part of it. So your goal is to not only get new people, but to keep them on your product for a long time, because that's what makes up your residual income. Some people talk about it in terms you do the work once and you get paid on it again and again. It's not quite right because if you set and forget and never talk to your customers again, and financially things get a little bit tough like right now, or there's lots of competition in your space and it's easier to order something online, you're going to lose them. So if you want that residual income, that is the beauty of network marketing and being on that right-hand side of the cash flow quadrant, you do have to stay in touch with people. You do have to stay in the relationship and love on them. And, and I don't need to teach you customer service, but just if anybody says to you residual income is doing the work once and getting paid on it again and again, that may be so if you wrote a song or wrote a book. But if you want to keep that book selling and that that music playing, there's still some effort that goes into that. So I just wanted to clean that up a little bit because I hear people use it incorrectly. And I always love, you know, if we're going to elevate this industry, we need to know what we're talking about, right? We need to know our shit. So, um, and then the, uh, on the lower side of that right-hand quadrant is um, investing, being an investor, getting your money working for you. And so that's, that's the side that as you have more money to work with, as you become more skilled at network marketing, that's where you want to aim for. So that really made sense to me, Tisha, and that got me excited. It made my belief in this model even stronger. Does that make sense? So, yeah, yeah, it, def it definitely does. I saw like you do explain the different kinds of the income in network marketing. So what would you say then, um, just because like I still feel like I'm learning a lot of this too, when it comes to residual income and passive income, like I almost look at those two things as kind of the same. So would like, what is the main difference between those two? between passive and active residual. or leverage well, re residual residual and residual passive. and passive okay, i always so look residual, at them as the same. okay and uh, that is uh, i think that's another misconception yeah. that passive income is when your money works for you you're you've you've invested it in something mm -hmm. where it compounds and grows over time where residual income is what you get paid on it in this business model on reshipments, whatever your company calls that. That's the difference. Yeah. Okay. So passive only comes from investments. It used yeah. to come from real estate, maybe not so much today. Um, but it, you know, it's it's that category when you take your savings and you invest them in something that grows. And normally you're doing it through a financial investor. So you're getting advice. It depends on, you know, how risk adverse you are. And women tend to be more risk adverse than men. Here's an interesting statistics, ladies, that you might not know about. 42% of women worry about money every day, as opposed to 22% of men. 
So you can see that we're just wired different. Something like 54% of women don't know how to track, to even know if they're working towards their financial goal. They don't know if they're getting close. They don't know if they've met it because they're kind of working in the dark. So Dracy, to your point, mm-hmm. you know, it's so necessary to invest. Here's how I look at it. You are your own best asset. In this business, you are the income producing asset, right? Until you get to the resid- until you get to the point where you're you've got a big downline or you know, you're you're really making money from those people you have enrolled and rank advanced. Um, but you're always your best asset because you are the one that can get it going again. You are the one that gets it started. You are the one that motivates everybody. You've got the vision. And if you don't treat you like the best asset, you got to feed your mind, right? And that's with um, coaching and mentoring and programs like this, your book, you know, uh, The Unwrapped Leader. All of those are resources to feed your mind. We got to feed ourselves nutritionally as well. Um, but it would be like having a racehorse and saying, I can't afford to, to feed this horse till it wins the race. You got to feed it as you go. And there's lots of, usually with most companies, lots of free training you can leverage. But as soon as you start to have some income that you can um, stamp for, personal development. This is what I'm going to use. You want to invest in you. This is a business. If you're the best asset, you want to not only treat yourself well, but you want to invest in you and your growth. And that's again, where lots of people make a mistake. They think they don't need to. Their company gives them everything and they do at first, but you do get to the point where you need a little bit more. And it doesn't have to be thousands and thousands of dollars. There are lots of ways to just decide what you can afford and do something that works at that time. And then when you're making a little more money, you can take it up a notch. But I do see people that starve themselves like they'd starve a racehorse and you're never going to win the race if you don't. Crazy. Absolutely. Crazy. 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 Tell me a little bit more about some more of these mistakes that you, you see commonly in the women in network marketing. Oh my goodness, Tracy, you and I could probably write a book on this. You know, the beautiful thing about having been in the industry so long is you see what the successful people do and you see what others don't, but the successful people have made the same mistakes. They just made them early and learn from them and behave differently. But the biggest one I see is when someone starts making more money than they've ever made in their life. And they, their, their lifestyle goes up accordingly, right? And so they're, they're spending, 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 and they've got more handbags than they need. They have no savings. They're loving life. They're feeling good about themselves. But if anything happened, they don't have any wiggle room in their life for illness, someone, you know, their partner losing their job, their partner leaving a sick child or mother or whatever. And so always you need to save. And we can talk more about that when we talk about some financial principles, but it's spending everything they've got 
And the big one, thinking it will last forever, that their income will never go down. It will only keep going up. And so their whole spending and lifestyle keeps going up. But there are seasons in this business. If nobody told you that, I hate to be the naysayer, but there are seasons just like there are in nature. It can't always be summer. We can't always have these big crops, you know, because the, you know, when after summer comes fall and when you're cleaning everything up in winter and then in spring when you're planting, uh, planting again. And so sometimes when a company's new, it just grows like crazy. They introduce something new that's hot and it grows, but then it settles back down to what it was. So this is a business and there is no business that grows double digits forever. Mm-hmm. And so just understand that, you know, two of the things my mother said was make hay when the sun shines and save for a rainy day. And I now know what it made sense when I heard it as a child. I had no idea what that meant. But it's when they say make hay when the sun shines, when things are going good, that's a, the most amazing time to keep building that momentum and putting some money automatically into savings. And, you know, when things slow down a bit, that's your planning time. That's when you say, okay, do I need to pivot? Do I need to learn a new skill? What do I need to do different? Do I need to find another way to attract new people to my message? And so it's just understanding there are seasons. Don't think everything's going to last forever. Because often when your business starts to have a bit of a decline, that's the universe, God, whatever you believe in saying, it's time for you to learn something. And we don't learn the lessons, as Tracy's already said, when things are going well, we learn them in the not so good times. And then that helps us plan and um, be resilient and get ready because there's another wave coming and you want to be ready for it. So, Dracy, those are two of the biggest ones. Um, We talked about not investing in you. We need to do that. Another big one is deferring paying taxes. And that's not a good idea (laughs) to do that. It's better if you can pay them quarterly or somehow that it's manageable and it's just an automatic process so you're not thinking about it. You don't have a chance to say, oh, I just want to hang on to this for a bit and then I'll pay it next quarter. Mm -hmm. That doesn't usually happen. And so if you want to be in ease and flow in your business, you want to reduce any of the friction and irritation that can happen. And taxes are an irritation to a lot of people. So just make the whole thing seamless, but don't put it off. It doesn't get easier if you put it off. Um, and you, you already said this, Dracy, is not getting financial advice. Mm-hmm. And you might not need it when you first get started, or you might already have a financial advisor. For me, and I think for a lot of women, it's all about a fit. If we don't have great ease around money or a money vocabulary, we want somebody that can talk to us at our level, that we don't feel silly asking questions of. And, and just that person that can be a collaborator with us, and that's her skill set, and this is yours. 
and I'm saying her because I, I personally uh, always dealt with a female financial planner because I felt like she understood the juggle and everything that goes on and, and the things we kind of, all these internal struggles that we have to be good enough and, you know, all those things. So, um, but it's finding when it's time, a financial planner that you can learn from but also have trust in to follow the advice and, and not question it and just, you know, increase your financial literacy as you go. Mm. And that's really good because you just, everything you said is I've experienced all those things. <laughs> <laughs> I did the, you know, held off, you know, because you make all this, learn to make money, then you get into this lifestyle, then you get these seasons and then you're still in this lifestyle, but you're not putting the way you're paying the taxes. And so I think I got caught up with a massive tax bill and it took me six years to pay. I had to diligently learn to pay that off. But once I learned the bad way, that like that, the hard way, um, I got into that discipline of quarterly paying that off, but had to pay big because I was paying that off and keeping up with this one. So now it is a breeze for me. And I love it because I have put those last seven years into really good disciplines and practices and have been able to now move forward and and make it my mission that we fiercely protect this and us women come in you know we're nat natural fight and flight we're natural protectors and survivors of our children but we've not been naturally raised for finances or fitness that's not been in our our dna dialogue um and i respect the men that fiercely protect their families and finances and really have looked after them i give a huge kudos to them but i really feel it's a responsibility to all of us it's the men and the women it's collectively it's a family it's a team it's a husband and a wife a partnership you know in that so okay can so i layer on that for one please minute? um because i think that another mistake that women made and i made it a lot and i learned from it but it took me a long time to learn it i was probably 50 something do not leave your finances in the hands of your partner not because he's bad or going to run away with it. But it's your money. It's your wealth. It's the financial wall you're trying to build around your family. And you need to understand how it's built and how to protect it. Because as Tracy said, it's not just making money. It's keeping that money and having that money grow and work for you to become your wealth. And it's not an amount of money um, because wealth is whatever it means to you. But why be stressed about money if you don't have to be? So the more you understand how you make it and how you make it grow and what's coming in and what's coming out, like just your cash flow, what are, what are you, what's your money coming in and how much is going out? And that includes everything that you're paying for. So um, anyway, we, we can delve into that more, but it, it's really about A, taking, no one's going to rescue you. So take control of your own finances. And the second thing was, it, you know, if you are in a relationship and your money is all going into the family pool and everything, you need to have meetings with your spouse or partner frequently, like a board meeting. It can be, you can call it your board meeting, but so that you're both on the same page and you're not working against each other you're working together to grow the, you know, the, the total 
uh, family income. So those two things just popped up for me, Tracy, and I know they were lessons I had to learn. So those are really good. I I've been take I've been like sitting and listening and just taking so many notes and um I'm like even just me like I feel like I'm learning so much from this. This is so good, Sandy. So like thank oh. you so much for these tips. Well, you know the lucky thing when you come into this business young like you are. Like I can only imagine where you'll be a decade from now because I already know you're a you know a legend in your own right. So uh, and not in your own right. I mean within within you know your company and things. So congratulations. I just I just wished I had a bigger picture because it, it really when when you do that money is statement. What you want to get to understand is that money equals choices. And don't we all want choices in life? That's what freedom is to me. You may, you may define freedom different, but at some point it comes down to not having to worry about money. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and so money to me is that currency. Uh, that we have to live a life of choice. And I think that that's a driver for everyone. Absolutely. Well, you've totally inspired us. I think Yay. our audience is absolutely going to love it. So if we were finishing this off, what would be some tips or call to action you would give someone that's listened to this and say, you know what, I need to do a better job of my finances. What would be the steps that you would tell them that they would need to take? I would just um, learn to master four or five financial principles. And, you know, one is pay yourself first. And that's where before you even touch the payment you just received from your company, 10% or whatever amount you can afford goes right into savings. Like before you see it touching anything, it goes right into savings. So you've got you know, this forced savings that once you see it in 90 days, you kind of go, oh my gosh, I've never saved that much money in 90 days before. How good is this? And it's about if you've got debt, get that paid down a little bit at a time. If you can't afford to put a big lump sum, just work, just as you're working on your savings, it might only be 5%, but you also need to work on your debt because it can become a huge anchor and weigh you down instead of you feeling like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I, I just feel like I'm in flow. It will be very hard to get in flow if you've got this big weight of debt. Um, we talked about getting a financial planner. We talked about living within your means and not, you know, if you, if you went back a number of decades, people wouldn't have ever taken a holiday until they actually had the money in the bank to go. And that's not bad thinking, because right now we want immediate gratification. Oh, I need to go to Bali. I need to go to the Caribbean. And you know you don't have the money, but you go, oh, I'll make it as soon as I get home. But it's really living within your means. And some people, like Warren Buffett, would say, live below your means. And so there, there's just a few principles like that. But really, um, living on a budget. Create a budget and make it part of what you reward is the fact that you stuck to your budget not oh my gosh this budget just like constricts everything I want to do you should be feeling amazing that you created a budget and stuck to it so 
One last thing, Tracy, there's a book that I love and it's called You're a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero. Oh, I'm reading it right now. (laughs) I just like to say that I know everybody listening has the vehicle in their hands to be a badass at making money. But Mm -hmm. I dare them to become a badass at keeping that money and getting that money working for them. Boom. Love it. Let's be badasses and make that money work. Wow. Thank you so much. Oh my God. I'm going to definitely take this. And you know, there's just one thing I want to say when you said the budget, what was a good, because that word to me just it makes me cringe. And I read the, the, the millionaire mindset and he used the word frugal, frugal, frugal. I hated that. And it actually pushed me away, but it wasn't until I read the barefoot investor. It changed it because he turned the word budget into buckets. And that was, I ended up putting my, my, having my different buckets and my small bucket, you know, all the different, and that has been a way I've been able to turn it around versus budget and, 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 and frugal. Um, And, and I never wanted to shrink my goals to my income. I want to increase my goal, my income to my goals. And so this, the finding those fine little tune um, tips and everything, you've given us some great ideas and more of inspiring, but it's just motivating us to take the next step. And I'm going to get that book, Badass. That sounds like great at my It's app. a great book. It's on my bedside right now. Like I put it there and if I'm like, oh, I'm not tired yet, I'll go read a few pages. So I'm, now that you mentioned it, I'm like, I'm going to read more and get through that book. <laughs> There's one more too that's yeah. good. And it's called Money, the Love Affair by Kate Northrup. And what makes okay. that a really good, valuable book is that she is and was a network marketer so her world Mm -hmm. is the same world that you know many of your listeners are are well they're two good ones brilliant brilliant well we love you and we look forward to we can hug and dance together and watch the sunset and drink some bubbles and have a lollipop moment together yay and tisha we got to include you in that too I, yeah, I need to come down to Australia and party with you guys. So, you uh, but, so thank, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Our audience is going to absolutely love this. I know I soaked in so much, so I can't even imagine what our audience is going to write down and, and get from all this. So thank you thank so you much for, for having time. me. Okay. Bye everyone. That was so inspiring. Sandy, we loved having you on. We know our audience is absolutely going to soak up all of this wisdom that you had on financial literacy. And I just want to share our takeaways that we had from this. There's so many, but if I had to narrow it down in three, number one, understanding the different types of income. Personally, uh, a lot of these mesh together, the passive income residual, like I always looked at those as the same. So I love that she actually broke that down. And then number two is that money is providing you with choices. And having that money mindset that it's not, you know, the root of all evil or it's not actually bad, like money in the end, at the end of the day, it provides you with those choices so that you can, you know, still reach those goals. And by increasing your income and not deep, as Tracy said in there, decreasing your income to reach your goals. And number three, honestly, the bottom line is just getting educated on financial literacy. Just from the session alone, I learned so many takeaways on this. And at the end of the day, you are in, you are responsible for this. We learn in network marketing how to make money, but what we need to learn is how that money is going to start working for you. So overall, just such great takeaways. And I hope you guys soaked up just as much as I did. So 
Guys, leave a like. Let us know in the comments what your biggest takeaway was from this session. Subscribe to our channel if you're on YouTube. If you're listening on the podcasting platforms, we would so appreciate a five-star review as it helps us grow. And share this with your teams or anyone that you feel could use a little bit more advice on financial literacy. And before I let you guys go, I just want to quickly talk about our gifted leader community, Dracy and I. I've kicked off our book club in there. So we are sharing every single week and unwrapping a chapter in there. If you have our book already, you need to be in there. If you don't, you can grab it over on Amazon. And uh, our next episode next week, we're going on with the theme of fiercely protecting. And we are going to be talking about fiercely protecting your faith and choosing faith over fear. So we can't wait to see you guys next week. Thank you guys for listening in. Bye.